This podcast is brought to you by Toasted Marshmallow Adventures Studio. Contact them at gettoasted at toastedmarshmallowadventures.com for all of your podcast production needs. Good morning and welcome to Not Everyone Gets a Trophy with Amy and Mo. Good morning and welcome to our show. It's Not Everyone Gets a Trophy with hashtag Princess Amy and Mo. Yeah. Oh, man. Here we go again, <laughs> right? You'd say Mo like you cut me up and Mo, right? <laughs> People want smoothness. You know, it's five in the morning, six in the morning. Mo. Yeah. So, uh, so Mo. <laughs> Mo is in the house. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So good morning, everyone. Yeah. It's good morning, o'clock. everybody. It's, it's Monday. We're so glad you tuned in to listen to us. We've got a couple of really great speakers. And one thing I do want to say is stop abusing Monday. Remember? That's my new thing. I know, but I don't like you say the word. Abuse. Oh yeah. Stop. What, what, what did we say about Monday? Stop harassing Monday, right? Everybody wants to, everybody hates Monday, but when they want to make a change, oh, let's use Monday. Like everybody's so obsessed with, with Monday, but they hate Monday. Yeah. That's going to be our slogan. No? Yeah. So anyway. Stop the love-hate relationship with, with Monday. With Monday. There you go. Yeah. Love it. Embrace Starstruck. Monday. Yes. Yes. So right. I am so excited about today's episode that I didn't even do an intro, even though I did say I was going to well, get better last time. One. So I know I am going to do another one, okay? All right, everybody but, slow down. So I'm going to slow down. And I got a, I got some feedback from a therapist today at, uh, at work. And she said, Mo, when we talk in person, I love your voice. But when you talk in your podcast, you tend to be semi kind of monotone. And I'm like, man, really? So I'm trying to, you know, switch out my voice, mm. uh, which is great. I love feedback. So thank you, Jess, for, um, for giving me that feedback. I'm going to try because she does listen to us every single episode so why not right let's 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 accommodate to our audience i would say okay so bring it up and then bring it down bring it up bring it down and i'm so excited again to bring we're bringing back one of our um our guests from episode six um and if you have not heard episode six i would urge you to look back at uh number one no yeah it is our number one episode since we started well, I have to say that a lot of times when people ask me about my podcast, I'm like, oh, tune into number six. Mm-hmm. That's where it's at. That's and, where we really get started. Yeah. And I'm not saying the people before that um, weren't good because there was great people behind them. Um, but there was just a shift in, in energy. There was a shift in, in, in how we approach things starting from from that episode. Um, so Stephen Ammon uh, is here with us today along with Barry Mac, I always Magara, Magara, beautifully said, Amy. <laughs> that's that's why I have her here. She can correct my She's mistakes, it. so it's good. It works <laughs> out. Um, I've known Barry. I want to say about three, four, maybe no, five years along that. Yeah. And I remember meeting Barry because I was going through a very hard separation myself. And uh, you were leading um, this sort of group for like divorce couples, whatever, which I, I failed miserably. I think I was at I, the divorce I, or the marriage at everything. <laughs> I, I was failing at life during that time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you know, I think bringing you here, man, it, it's it's funny how life works because after all these years, 
um, we 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 get to talk again about something that maybe I should have listened to more back then, <laughs> because <laughs> now you're doing uh, couples EMDR, which it's almost unheard of. Couples counseling, it's almost unheard of. I mean, by itself, uh, adding EMDR to it, uh, I think adds a whole different component that I think people need to to know more about. Um, bringing in Steven um, and talking about more of the intensive EMDR, I've been able to just send people his way, especially those people that, that say, I've tried everything, everything, really, because if you've tried everything, you would not be here. That's so, my favorite client. There's the one that's like, I've tried everything else. I'm like, ah, great. Yeah. Come see me. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm glad to see you exhausted all your options and yeah. now you're here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, welcome, uh, uh, Stephen and Barry. These Thank two you. guys um, work together at uh, Northwest. Well, right? well, Northwest Wellness Center. Yes. And Barry has his own agency, Blue Sky okay. Counseling. Like so. Blue Sky Bagels? Sure. Mm, absolutely. Beautiful. I'm hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to them. Yeah. Now we can hashtag them. <laughs> there you go. They were mentioned. Similar, but not yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Anyways. So it is all about wholeness though, you know? Okay. So. Yeah. It's like the infinite circle, right? Yeah. yeah. So before we get started, um, we just want to touch uh, base on the EMDR. Like, so people don't listen to every single one of our episodes. So can we kind of explain EMDR, yeah. break it down mm -hmm. for people first? Yeah. So EMDR really allows the brain to reset the way it's hardwired to from the beginning. So it uses bilateral stimulation. So we, like I have little pods that vibrate left, right, left, right, left, right. And what that does is it connects the left and right hemisphere of the brain. And in our right hemisphere is where we store unprocessed traumas. So, and my definition of trauma, as I said before, is every time I don't get what I want, it's not every time I don't get what I need, but it's every time I don't get what I want. I love that. Because when we make a request to somebody and it doesn't happen, we feel it. That's why Like so we feel it in our body. And so we need to have a way to process through those things. So with EMDR, we connect the left and right hemisphere through the corpus callosum which is the bundle of nerves on the top of the brain that connect the two halves. And people that meditate, um, studies have shown that their corpus callosum is larger than people that don't. So meditating is very good. So we actually incorporate that into our work that we do. Um, so when we connect the left and right hemisphere through the corpus callosum, it pulls stuff from the left side of our brain or the right side of our brain, which is our unprocessed side, over to the left side, which is what I call our filing cabinet. So it gets everything organized and integrated into what's already there and known. And we make sure and hold time and space as we go through this intensive for not only it to be pulled over, but for it to incorporate and release from the body. The book Body Keeps the Score um, is an amazing book about how emotion gets trapped in our bodies. And so with the EMDR, we're, we're able to connect the brain allow the body to release the held trauma. What does EMDR stand for? It stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. So those old memories are desensitized, and then we go in and re or reprocessing them by imagining how it should have been and figuring out how we want it to be in the future. Is this 
a, uh, a type of treatment that it is successful, it is proven to be effective because sometimes I get those clients that say, nope, if insurance is not paying for it, that means it's yeah. <laughs> not working. And I'm like, oh my goodness. EMDR is the gold standard in trauma treatment. It's extremely effective. There's tons of research. So you can go to EMDRIA, E-M-D-R-I-A mm-hmm. is their national or their international organization. And there's a research tab and you can look up all sorts of research articles. So, Perfect. So it's so definitely for those the gold who don't standard. believe, go read it, research yeah. it. Don't tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, no. right? Go go study it. It changed my life. Yeah. So, and that's why I started doing these intensives because I did my own work in an intensive setting and I'm like, holy smokes, like I'm a better dad. I'm a better husband. I'm a better clinician. Yeah. So why are we doing hourly sessions? So, yeah. Because for me, you know, it's like you rip the bandaid off. And then your hours up and you're like, all right, I'll see you next week. Hope everything goes well. Yeah. You know, it's so. like going to the gym once, once a week for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Try that. Yeah. Right, Amy? That doesn't work. It, it, works, for, it works for me. <laughs> so, so talk to me a little bit uh, about Barry. How'd you guys meet? How'd you guys come about? How'd you guys ended up in, in this circle? Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> we met way back. We, we did. We met about uh, six or seven years ago. Uh, I was just newly getting into the field. I had heard about EMDR. Everybody told me, you got to get trained. So I met Steven, got getting to know Steven. Obviously, you can hear it today. He's super passionate about EMDR. So he's like, yeah, we're doing this training and you got to do it. So four years ago or so, I, I got trained in EMDR. And uh, we started our friendship and our family started hanging out together. And this uh, couple called and they both wanted to do this three-day intensive. And so Steven's like, Barry, you got to come over and work with one of the couple and I'll work with the other. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. You know, I've been doing it. It's been amazing, uh, life-changing for me too. And so we worked with this first couple. And after three days, I was like, wow, that's crazy. The amount of transformation and how different they Both of you guys did at the same time, like in the same room or? No. So I was in my office and he was in his office working with the, with the couple. And the crazy thing was, is so they were coming down for five days anyway. And I told Barry, I'm like, well, they're going to be down here for five days. So why don't you spend a day or two with them in couples therapy and see if we can't maybe work on healing the relationship. And when they got there, so we met with them on a Sunday afternoon. And I remember the four of us were in an office and I asked, like, what do you want out of the week? And the husband just kind of gave a very surfacey kind of, I want to be a better dad and a better father, which is all great stuff. Um, and I looked at the wife and I'm like, what do you want out of? And she held her thumb and forefinger up very close together. And she's like, I want some hope because she's like, I've got this much hope and I'm done with this relationship. So how long have they been married? In in way to I mean that's I mean that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, no like, pressure. Right? Yeah. Like, well, I'm, I'm just like, like I am like, I am how... this this close of, of yeah. calling it quits yeah. and showing you that this how much you're working with. Mm-hmm. I don't think people can see that. Well, yeah. I mean, that, that's like, a, that's they like can hear my voice. It's a quarter inch. That's a quarter inch. They can put it together. So, so Stephen, how how long have this couple been married? So I want to say over twenty years. Yeah. Oh my gosh. They had a handful of kids. Um, some grown, some still in the house. And the crazy thing was, this was a referral from another therapist in the Valley that had sent us quite a few clients for the EMDR part. And they're good friends of his. And he said, before you guys do anything finalizing your marriage, 
you guys have to come down and do this intensive. And so I think for me, it was very divine. It was something that we had never planned on doing. It was never even in the radar. And at the end of it, there was such transformation. I remember Barry called me that night and he was just giddy. <laughs> like, I don't know <laughs> another word to explain it, but yeah. he was like, oh my gosh. He's just like, you're not going to believe how much work we got done in one day. He goes, it was like a year of couples therapy weekly. And the, that couple has since sent three couples, multiple individuals down to do their intensive work. And they still, to this day, say it's the best thing they've ever done for their marriage. Okay. So I'm trying to picture this. Yeah. You and Barry <clears throat> work with this couple. So together they go see you. Yeah. Barry? So the first, so in a five day couples intensive, we work the first three days in our own offices with one of the partners. Oh, just one at a so time. So Steven's yep, working individually. with one and I'm working with the other and we do three days of EMDR. We cover their whole lifespan. We cover their epigenetics, which is kind of a way to say life before they were born. Looking for any trauma passed down through their genes, you know, and uh, desensitizing anything that comes up and walking all the way through every year of their life to and, the present and day. When you, and when you would say uh, epigenetics, right, that's the study of, of atoms and, and molecules and cells, right? And, and how they're created and how, you know, you are who you are based on on those things, correct? Yeah. And epigenetics, I mean, we've known for 50 or 60 years that children of alcoholics are predisposed to alcoholism. That's epigenetics. Okay. It's, okay, that's it's, a, good a, example. it's a learned behavior. Like their parents used alcohol to cope. Like the body doesn't like living in a state of stress. So it's going to do whatever it figures out to do mm -hmm. to relieve that. So they learned to use alcohol. And then at some point it becomes I hate this word, but an addiction, right? It, it becomes kind of locked in and that's their hardwired pathway in their brain and they lose the choice to choose not to drink. Right. They, and I remember last time we were here, we talked about turning on the switch. Mm -hmm. And since then I've been using that kind of, you know, language around uh, the patients I talk to you is that once you turn on the switch for a disease, you can't turn it off. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's sort of like, um, there's certain diseases that if you get them, right, it's yeah. just, you have to take medication for yeah. them now. Um, and I wish we could destigmatize all addiction because at some point they do lose that ability to choose. And, you know, especially I work a lot with sex addicts and stuff like that. And so it's like, there's this shame around it. Even some people I've worked with where there's abuse from the spouse because they think they should just quit doing it and they lose that option. And they would never feel that same way if their spouse came home and told them they had cancer. Right. They would never treat them the same way. Very and so, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we could learn to meet them with some empathy and get them the help they need, then they could be the person that I believe they were created to be. Yeah. And every, you know, Janelle Stafford always say, you know, for every unhealthy behavior, there there is something that good comes out. So you would stop doing it. Right. So <laughs> even the person who com completes murder has that reward subjectively. It's not, I'm not saying it's good. Right. But if you have to understand what the positive thing is within the brain to understand the behavior. Do you remember when she talked about cutting? 
this is Janelle Stoffer. We both took a class from her. Yeah, I was there but once I a remember, week. <laughs> I remember she said that, you know, cutting is actually a genius way to self-soothe. Oh, yeah. Because yes. you cut and all your endorphins fly through the roof. Like your body goes into like survival mode, everything. Then your system goes into preservation. So your blood starts pumping slower. Your heart rate decreases because now you're bleeding. And everything slows down and calms down. It's actually genius. We need to I do think a- there's way better things to do yeah. to self-soothe and cut. I'm not saying that I think that's a good idea, but it really is. It's There's a payoff or they wouldn't do it. Right. No, I think that we should make that a real because there's parents out there. A lot of the stigma says that if, if you self-harm, it equals suicide. And I'm like, no, no, no. The, the science behind it is completely different. You have to understand what your kid's doing to be able to help him. And if you put him in a psychiatric because he's self-harming, then obviously they're not going to learn anything from it other than coping skills, you know, from, from <laughs> medications. Yeah. Um, wow. Barry, I, you know, you know, I, I have a little bit of curiosity as to how, how what made you become a therapist? Like, Yeah, good question. Well, why do any <laughs> why of us would you come, want to do this? become therapists? I think marriage therapists, especially, we look at ourselves each sometimes and go, what are we doing? Why? How did we get ourselves into this? Um, it all started for me. My wife and I, we've been married 23 years. We got married at 19. Wow. 19 year olds, you think you know what you know. And somehow you realize like <laughs> i i think i don't know what i'm doing i'm pretty sure at 19 i think i did know oh i knew everything, everything right <laughs> and so did i and i thought i knew what i was doing I'd get married uh 10 years in we were a disaster unbeknownst to me we were a disaster uh well there were so many topics we couldn't talk about there were so many things that were unsaid i was so numb and withdrawn so my wife begged me to go to marriage counseling, and I said no, no. right? Because no, any no. good man says Say, that, no, right? Yeah. <laughs> so she says, please, and I say, no, thank you. So <laughs> she's smart. You would love her. She yeah. said, well, I'm going to go to counseling. Will you at least sit in the room and support me? And I was like, well, of course, I'm a good husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So of course I'll do that. <laughs> That's buck, line, and sinker. Right? I, I, I want to yeah. meet your wife. Yeah. She's right? a good salesperson. Yeah. So <laughs> we get into the room and our therapist, Dave, says, uh, nice to meet you guys. And I say, I'm here to support her. <laughs> and he says, what you a good husband. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I go, right? So he says, well, tell me about what's going on. So she starts talking, right? Before you know it, I'm like, well, and you have to include... <laughs> And I kept jumping in, right? So at the end of it, he's like, what do you guys think about some marriage counseling, Barry? And I <laughs> looked at yeah. I should have known. I said, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I think that'd be good. <laughs> so that's how I got into it. It was a year journey. Uh, it was life-changing. Um, it saved my marriage and just did so much deep stuff inside of me. And uh, I kind of left that experience saying, if I could give the rest of my life to help couples, uh, I would do that. And uh, I could never let go of that. I've been a pastor for a lot of years. So a few years later, I just couldn't let go of this, you know, um, thing in the side that said I need to go back and get my degree in therapy and become a couples therapist. So I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do the marriage and family track. And I said, whatever Dave did with us, that's what I'm going to do with yeah. couples because uh, it changed my life. And turns out what Dave did with us was a therapy called emotion-focused therapy. And so I'm a 
emotion focused therapist through and through. It's my passion. Tell, so, tell me more about yeah, that. What yeah, is, what does that mean? Yeah, I'll tell you all about. I'm so getting emotional Steven, right now. Right? Yeah, <laughs> tell I love me this. About it. This is Ooh. great. Um, so when Stephen asked me to come do EMDR with him, I was like, well, you know, this is cool and everything, and I love EMDR, but I'm a couples therapist. So uh, that's how we kind of got into this couples intensives. I do the EMDR so that I can do the emotion focused therapy. Kind of like you showed up at therapy with your wife. I'll go, yes, you know, but uh-huh. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm seeing, yeah. I'm seeing a behavior pattern here. <laughs> so one of the things that we really pride ourselves on is that the kind of therapies that we use are called evidence-based therapies. They're proven. They've been around a long time and researched and so they're proven to work and emotion focused therapy is an evidence and research based therapy so it's been around for 30 years it's highly researched and really we target the process the emotional process that happens in a person um and how it relates to the relationship so we refer to ourselves as process consultants wow i like that so we it's a great title we work with a couple <laughs> and uh, there's kind of three major stages and the first stage is de-escalation so we work to try to understand the thing that gets between couples we call it the bad dance or the bad cycle so there's no bad guy in the relationship it's this thing that gets between you and so it can be months, it could be years of working with a couple weekly, hourly to try to get them de-escalated. So when Steven asked me to do this in uh, EMDR work with him, I realized that in three days of EMDR, this couple is so de-escalated. And I'm, and I'm saying to him, like, you know how much we could do when a couple's de-escalated? They could be escalated for years. And then three days of EMDR they get so de-escalated and they can come in the room and they can say, you know, uh, I show up this way in my relationship and I learn, I feel, I, now I know it comes from my dad or it came from my mom or this happened to me as a child. And so I do this thing now with the people closest to me and it's my way of staying safe or it's my way of getting attention. So, so, so these de-escalation, so I'm just going to throw an example out there based on, you know, most people who go to couples counseling, a lot of them go for infidelity, right? So when we talk about de-escalating, are we talking about how to approach that in a way that we don't escalate? And so you teach them how to de-escalate before they're escalated or or, walk, or I'm just a little confused about yeah, that. Yeah, great question. So de-escalation looks like we we do this bad dance I make this one move. Typically, it's a pursuer and a withdrawer that are married to each other. So a pursuer pursues. It can feel like an attack. It can feel aggressive. It so can poking feel- poking each other's uh-huh. buttons. Yep. Okay. And they're typically married to a per- uh, withdrawer. So then the withdrawer gets defensive or they turn internal and they get quiet. Mm-hmm. And if they don't leave the room, they leave the conversation. And maybe this sounds like your relationship. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> not you guys, but no, maybe somebody totally. listening. No, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Am I describing anybody? <laughs> so everybody's uh, like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> what did Amy tell you? Yeah, right. <laughs> so you know, the, so the way we deescalate is helping each partner understand the move they make in the bad dance, and the only way to deescalate is to know the move you make, own the move you make. In the bad dance. Okay. Okay. So if I know that when I come home and I tell you the backyard's not mowed and you know that was important to me and I begin to attack you. And now that I know when I come home and I say it that way and I use that tone, 
and I look at you in those ways. That's my bad move Mm -hmm. in the bad dance. When I own that and I don't do that, then my partner is not withdrawing and they're not engaging in the bad dance. Okay. So the way we de-escalate is through the three days of EMDR, we help them understand the big why. The, the reasons they do what they do and why they get triggered and why they get upset and why they have these big emotional responses to things in their relationship. I want to hear more about that couple that came down for your five-day therapy sesh. Like, how did, like what, that, what did that look like for them? Like, how did they come in, how they were ready to call it quits? Or the wife was, I guess. Well, especially then, in an environment that you guys wouldn't even plan on doing this, and then it just kind of turned into something. Yeah, like, I just want to know, like, what, what on happened? On a Sunday like, afternoon, though? Yeah. Ooh, I'd be sleeping or napping. <laughs> if, there, if there's, like, this big transformation, like, what were they at the beginning? And then what did they do to transform? Like, what did, so, did, what did that look like? Yeah, as you said, a lot of the couples that come in crisis, there's been some sort of rupture in the relationship, whether it's been infidelity or an emotional affair or- Death. Their, yeah, death or workaholics, stuff like that, where something else has been put over the spouse in the relationship. And this couple was no exception. Um, there was a betrayal. Um, and I believe that, the the wife in the relationship had multiples of those in different things mm-hmm. like not having not saying that the guy had an affair but certain things that happened in the relationship where she felt betrayed and not supported and so i she got burnt out yeah burnout pursuers is a regular thing when you're in a relationship with somebody a withdrawer specifically and you keep reaching, 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 and they keep going backwards, backwards, backwards. The farther and the harder you try to reach, the farther and the harder they pull away. At some point, you get burnt out. You get yeah, tired. You lose of that it. hope, mm-hmm. right? And it, you start losing hope. Yeah. So I would say we saw all the typical things. There was tension. There was mistrust. There was like looking at each other and seeing kind of the bad guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe so, even like a stranger. You don't really know who you're looking at anymore. Right. Yeah. It's the most disgust. Yeah. So those are kind of some of the typical things we see in general, but the, that is specifically, yeah, some of the things we saw. So in the midst of doing the therapy, you know, you can see a softening. You can see kind of a, an openness. You can see a lot of ownership because that's part of the process is as you learn and discover about yourself, you start to begin to recognize and own. Oh, I do these things. And I love when when we're working with the couples individually and the person I'm working with will say, oh my gosh, I do this and that makes him do that. And it's like, ah, now you're starting to get it. And then when because you're doing the EMDR, it just starts de-escalating so they don't get triggered. So their body doesn't activate at that same level. Right. And so they can really stay engaged in the process of healing without getting the triggered at the body level. So you're teaching them how to dance with each other in yeah. some sense, right? Because, yeah. you know, you're, you're, there's different parts of movement, right? And I feel like the way my mind sees is this couple has been dancing, but they're off. So you think about it like one couple, one of the partners makes a move and steps on the other's toe. Right. And they pull away in pain. They go, ouch, ouch, ouch. And they start hopping on one foot. <laughs> and the other partner then is trying to say, no, 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 stop doing that. Stop hopping. And correcting them. Right? Yeah. And there becomes instability, right? And maybe they even let go of each other to try to not get pulled one way or the other. 
And when that toe gets stepped on over and over and over and over again, that partner doesn't even wait for that foot to come over to try to step on it. They pull away even before their partner can make the move to potentially step on their toe. Because the body's saying protect, protect, protect. And yeah. that's what we see. Which I always say this, which then you're able to realize that the issue is no longer the issue. Right. And, <laughs> and, and, and the more you understand that, the more you're able to kind of yeah. be more open and be present to Absolutely. the actual behavior. Um, because 95% of who we are comes from a subconscious level. And only 5% is, is very conscious of what you're doing. Um, talking about Lara, going back to episode 13, she explained how when she went um, to, to do EMDR, it, she was expecting to go there and, and simply talk about the one thing that she thought was the main issue. And, and well, because it was the present issue. Because yeah, was, yeah. That's what got her fired up and wanted her to get help. Yeah. Help, yeah. It was the driver to get her in the office. Yeah. And then but she explained that beautifully yeah. in the sense that, Mo, like, I think I didn't talk about what I wanted to talk about for two days. And, and I was okay with it. Like, and what I found is that when we do get to the big thing, the big, huge T trauma, because they've done all of this work in the beginning, that their ego state gets really secure. And yeah. it's like, actually, I can handle this. And so when we get to that big thing, we just move through it really quickly. Because Sometimes no, with yeah. no emotion. And they're like, I was wow, not expecting that, was, that when I talked to Laura. Yeah. That was like, not the one she came in and talked about her EMDR yeah. experience. That is, it was not yeah. what I, I thought I, I was, I was expecting her, her to tell me about the one thing she went in there for. And, and she's like, by, by the time I got to the event, it was an event for what it is. Then from, from all the emotional response, the baggage that I've carried throughout my life. Okay, so tell me more about this couple. I'm really interested to see <laughs> how, how it all ended can, up. Can I just add one thing <laughs> yeah, too? Absolutely. This is why emotion focused therapy is amazing because we don't deal with the content, the topic, we deal with the process. And if we can help a couple understand their process and get them a new dance where they don't step on each other's toes yeah. and they don't pursue and withdraw, they can talk about anything, any topic, and you get the right process and it can be amazing. Full disclosure. Uh, I'm sure my wife won't care that I tell him this. Um, so Barry, like Barry said, we're friends. Like we hang out all the time together. And so one night he came over and my wife and I were having, this is in air quotes, a discussion. And he's sitting on the couch and he's got this big cheesy grin on his face. And I look at him, I'm like, what the hell are you laughing at? And he's like, you know, this has nothing to do with what you guys are talking about. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not paying you for a session. <laughs> so it is, it really teaches you to like, look what's underneath that, what's yeah. really driving it. And the process is exactly what that is. So we spend three days with each partner individually. We give them a ton of attention. We address every, every sensitive thing that comes up and desensitize it. Uh, you ever woke up from a dream? And it was totally fantasy. And yet when you woke up, it felt real. Yeah. It could yes. be about a person or experience, right? Yeah. One time I uh, dreamt the lottery numbers and I won <laughs> yes. and then I woke up yes. and it felt so real. 
It's like, I've got to get to like, the can bank. Can I remember the numbers so I couldn't go actually yeah. buy a Powerball ticket? So that was kind of a bummer. That sounds like a nightmare, actually. <laughs> yeah. I so couldn't be by nightmares. <laughs> right. I really did, though. Like, I, it felt real. I was so like. Great. It, That's funny. Yeah. So in your dream sleep, you're in REM sleep when you're dreaming. So your eyes are moving rapidly back and forth. You're having this dream. And when you wake up, it feels real. So that tells us that the brain doesn't know the difference between reality and fantasy. So in EMDR, when we're reprocessing, it's a similar thing. We, we get them to a place where they imagine life the way they want to imagine it and those events happening the way they want to imagine it. And we get it to a, re- a very real feeling and we, we lock it into the body. So by the time three days are over, they're feeling better. They have walked back through some of the most painful events of their life. They feel better. They feel more confident. They feel stronger. They've been sharing this most typically with their partners throughout those three days. This is what I'm learning about myself. There maybe is already repair going on. Oh my gosh, I saw this today. I'm so sorry. I never saw it before and now I do. And so there, a lot of times by the time we finally get to couples therapy on day four, there's so much that's already been happening. So day four, we get in there, we begin to understand the bad dance, you know, who plays which role, who plays withdrawer, who plays pursuer, how does it work? And they have done so much work the first three days, they're already acknowledging like, you know, my dad did this whenever my mom would do that. And so that's what I do. It doesn't work. And I don't know how else to do it. And so a lot of it's uh, trying to ask their partner, how should I do it? Because I saw that it done this way. It was modeled for me this way. And that's what I do. And I'm seeing it doesn't work. Can you help me learn how to do it a different way? So they become they become on the same team. Yeah, right. Tackling. Now we're partners. Now we're partners. Is there a sense of kind of low energy on, on day four? Because I would assume that it's almost like a reset button to like the body. In some it's, sense. All, it's all over the board. I've had people that have finished the three days at EMDR and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to go run a marathon. And I've had other people like, I feel like I want to sleep for 24 hours, Yeah, you know, and it's just, our bodies are different, you right. know, and so everybody kind of responds a little differently. I guess you know how I would feel now, right? <laughs> yeah. Tired? Yeah. Well, what I, you- I, after four or three days, I think based on, you know, my response and who I am, I think I'd just be like very at peace. And when I think me at peace, I just feel very, very mellow, very open-minded, so, like, for those people who maybe grew up going to church or going to summer camps, you know how, like, they'll wear you down all day yeah. and then you get to the night, you know, and then they'll, around the campfire or at the church service, you know, kids are more emotional. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say I see on day four and day five. They've kind of, you know, been worn down a little bit. And so day four, they come in and they don't have as much, you know, stuff on the surface. They're kind of a more pliable moldable so there's a lot of emotion day four when they start talking about you know not being there for their partner when they start uncovering saying you know my mom wasn't there for me like this and so when i got into this marriage i was hoping my wife would be and when she doesn't it just brings all this stuff back and and when it's very tearful and and really in touch with their emotions partners melt for each other you know because the attachment system which is an attachment-based theory. It's mm-hmm. how we kind of uh, re- relate to the primary caregivers of our life. Yeah. You know, there's something in our attachment that we just want security and safety and love and connection with those most important people. And when they start to get it, 
does something. It fills some void in their life. And so by the end of day four and even day five, couples can be way more affectionate, way more uh, outgoing with each other, way more kind, calm, safe. Um, it's pretty and, amazing. And where does the, so you do the, the three day, where does the emotional component like your that was it called emotional emotion focused therapy. therapy yep that's day four and day, day four. five okay mm-hmm. day four. and then it's de-escalation initially what's after that so stage two is we repair the attachment bond okay structure it okay so that's where we get into a lot of the deeper fears and longings okay we really spend time uh looking at a person's view of themselves so you know when when a child has parents who get divorced you know, parents can tell them all day, this has nothing to do with you. This is this is all about, you know, me and mom or me and dad. It has nothing to do with you kids. But we know that parents, they somehow come out of that still feeling mm-hmm. like they, it was partly their fault. Right. So they view it through the lens of I am. Well, if I was a better kid, that wouldn't happen. Or if I was stronger or if I was whatever it is. Right. That core belief. We get these core beliefs, right? And yeah. so we carry those into our relationships. So when we try to restructure the bond or restructure the attachment, we're digging into those view of self. And so oftentimes you'll see couples in the room talking about, you know, a man talking about how inadequate he feels and how he's tried and worked so hard to be the man that he's always wanted to be and show up in the marriage in this way. And he's just so inadequate and he's tried so hard to cover that because he's just sure that if his wife finds out he's inadequate, she won't want to be close to him. He's a fraud. Yeah. <laughs> fraud. Yeah. And you don't want to be with a fraud. No. But the more he starts talking about that, you'll never believe what happens across the couch, right? <laughs> he right. starts talking about that and his wife's eyes get bigger and she starts leaning towards him and she starts reaching out to hold his hand. And there's something really amazing that happens that when he starts opening up and sharing about yeah. this inadequacy and this fear of being a fraud. That she's really attracted to right well it's, Brene it's, kind Br- of, it's really wild yeah. i actually like i do i did know a guy one time and he's they like they kind of withdraw and they they do it purposefully because they do feel that inadequacy and he he had said to me which always stuck in my mind even the best guy or the guy that wants to be the best guy would never do that to their partner and it's like well that you know women they just want to they want to see the best or they just, you know, they want to be helpful. And if they could, if someone could be that vulnerable, they would be, they wouldn't, the guy would understand that she would be accepting and he doesn't see that. Brene Brown says that connect, true connection only happens in vulnerability. So, yeah. and that's what he gets to experience. I'm a little jealous that I don't get, I usually try to come back to the office on Friday just to see the transformation because most of the time it's, there's a physical difference in the way they look. In fact, my wife, who also works with us, she's always saying we have got to start doing before and after photos because she's like, they just look different. Yeah. And I can see that. I mean, I've sent a couple of people to you yeah. that, I mean, I'm, I can, I saw that and I'm <laughs> yeah. like, holy, well, like, like what, what's wrong with you? Like, <laughs> and you treat it like, what, what is he feeding you over there? <laughs> you know, because there is a sense of transformation um, that, that, that wears and tears the body, right? The the constant anxiety, stress, stress, the overcompensation for our core beliefs just damages our whole day. Our energy just damages every cell in our body. Absolutely. 
here, here's another question I have. So, you know, when we talk about going to counseling, we always talk about, oh, when something is bad, right? So, you know, you know, d- divorce or infidelity or whatever you want to call it. But what about a, a healthy couple? Like, how could they benefit from counseling, right? And, and someone, you know, I, I always want to say, let's be preventative. Let's not wait. Yes. To, oh. for it to be oh, a There's divorce. a chip shot we're waiting on. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the elusive chip shot. Yeah. Well, yeah. I would say this. Research, current research says that most 69% of the issues in a marriage are cyclical. What, is, what does that mean? So that means that without help, they're going to stay in the cycle. They're going to just keep spinning. 69% okay. of the issues are not going to be resolved because they're cyclical issues. That means that they get stuck in the system. So it's like you put gas into an engine and it just runs, right? Mm-hmm. And so these these issues play into the cycle and it just spins the cycle. So even great marriages, good marriages, they have issues that are cyclical, which means they just keep coming up and they happen over and over again. Mm-hmm. And without help, they're just going to stay in place. So you what know, if they're fairly happy though? Like they've man, so they're managing. Okay, so they're keeping their head above yeah. water. So. You're saying, so I guess ideally there's not a perfect. So my wife and I are in love with each other. We're very committed. We have a great relationship. I would be on a plane tomorrow if somebody else was doing what we're doing. Because I know it could always be better. Right. And you don't know what you don't know, which is crazy. Because if you have to your subjectively a great marriage and someone can say, yeah, but what if I told you it could be ten times better? Yeah, I wouldn't believe it. And, yeah. and the same difference than the, the guy who's struggling mm-hmm. going to counseling—you wouldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's like that's right. Like, well, and it depends on the model you come from, right? So wow, looking at my parents, we have so much better right. of a marriage compared to what my parents are. They were—they had alcoholism in their relationship. There's none in ours. So that is like a standard to us that's like a, oh we, we're good so all of us measure on different systems and i would also say that we try to hold expectations really loose because one couple can come in for five days and they can leave and they can feel so much better and after <laughs> doing this for so yeah. many years i'm like you just scratch the surface Oh, wow. yeah, I see what you're saying. And so, but they're super happy and they feel so <laughs> yeah. good. And I'm like, you know, that's great. And Barry and I both come from a very, you know, spiritual perspective. And it's kind of like that. It's like my spirituality, I'm never going to one day arrive at this peak. It's a continual journey of working on myself to be the best, best version of me I can be. And it's that way with a relationship. I believe any relationship could always be better. Yeah. You know, one of the things that you said, Barry, is that you went to couples counseling for about a year. Now he can do it in two days. <laughs> in two days, right? Sign He's good. He is good. But if I would have walked up to you during that time and say, hey, uh, Barry, uh, what if I told you that in, in three to five days I can help what's going on? But A, you know, it's 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 18 hours around there or total? Well, for the couples, that's just the EMDR part. Okay. So, and then the couples uh, intensive adds another 12 hours of couples therapy onto the end of that. Yeah. Because the biggest component of this is a, it's, it's pretty pricey, right? And, and you're going to have to want it. But I also did the math. I don't remember what the math was, but I think it was between at $80, between $60 and $80 once a month. 
you would have to spend between four to six years going to counseling in which you can accomplish in three to five days, which is, which is crazy to hear that. Yeah. But it's also, it sounds unbelievable, really. Yeah. Let's just be honest. It does. <laughs> so, how, I mean, and I've asked this before, how do, who's the perfect client? And I love your answer is whoever shows up at my door. You know, we look at ourselves as kind of the ER doctors in the relationship field. So if you physically are injured, you ro- you go to the ER, it doesn't matter how much it's going to cost. You're going to die if, if we don't go. You don't wait for time off. You don't save up funds. You, you, right. go. Yeah. you go. And so we're kind of like that. We're kind of a specialized group of people that work intensively with people in relationships that are in crisis or hurting or really bad. So we help stabilize. We help get people back into a place where there's hope to live again. And we get their relationship to a place that they might need more after they're done with us. And a lot of them do. Mm-hmm. Well, maintenance. Ma- they're, yeah, right. Maintenance. maintenance is a real yeah. thing. Yeah. So, you know, and even if you get through the ICU experience, right, you still go back for physical therapy. To PT. Yeah, right? absolutely. So it's the same way with our relationship. So, so we we dive in, we, we deal with the big crisis issues, and then we send people back. Get them stable. I have a question. Because so, you're doing like couples therapy. So how how about this scenario? Two people are married or they had been together for a long period of time and now they're split up, but they're trying to figure out how to get back together. Do you come across people like that? Do you encourage people like that? Like after they've tried to dissolve their relationship, do you? We have a couple coming that they're actually living in two separate households right now. Which Audrey Hepburn says the best relationships are in two households. So <laughs> I don't know if that's that. Look at this. <laughs> let's I don't want that. You know, let's de-escalate. Exactly. She should have come and seen us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm sure she would have today if she was here. <laughs> so, I, I don't think there's a wrong, like there's no wrong way necessarily of getting help. If well, you need help in your relationship, any help is better than no help. So if all you can afford or all you're open to is going to see a counselor once a month or Mm -hmm. once a week, I would say, please do like get whatever help you need. If you have the desire or you want to do something more, you know, some people are just all in. Yeah. You know, they're like, I think, yeah, you got to be willing. And and if you're listening right, right now. You know, tax money is coming right now, <laughs> right? That's, well, but, uh, that's a big lump sum. Yeah, so right. you, if, I was working if, on my taxes if, today. You know, they, you know, I always say life brings you to certain situations. And if, if life guides you to, yeah. to doing that, then that's what you meant to do. Like, And remember what I said in the first podcast, your best thinking got you to where you are today. Yeah. Okay. So you are, you are, you're dealing with a people that are living in a couple of, they're living separately. And they're going to give it a go. Yeah. Uh, that's really, that's, that's got to be worth getting up and going to work for. Oh, I get absolutely. really excited about that. Like, I'm so hopeful for them. <laughs> like, and the fact that they're so committed to the relationship and to their kids that they're willing to give it one more last try. And, and so it makes us bring our A game. Yeah. We, which is really important to us, right? We, we've gone to therapy and we, you know, really put our, well-being in the hands of somebody who could help lead us and kind of be a guide for us. And that was really important. And we want to be that. We take that really seriously. One, because we've been through it ourselves personally, you know, getting help and learning more. And it's still, it's not like we're done. We, we continue to get help. So that's really important to us. But I, I would also say, 
we invest, you know, we spend money on getting a new car. We spend money on getting coffees from Starbucks or Dutch Bros, or we spend money in all these kinds of ways, investing in all kinds of stuff. But how much are we really investing in our marriage? And how important is our marriage compared to our car well, that's or morning thing. coffee? It's like these are... Those are not like long-term investments, right? That's bros. They depreciate. Like Instant <laughs> gratification is a great thing, though. No, let, I, let me I tell do. you, all right. It feels great, short term. I'm just gonna. I'm just yeah. throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. But and, and maybe what we're doing also provides instant gratification too. Yeah, because well, it helps said. people soon feel better. So if if you are in the midst of, because there's people like, I, I would listen to, Amy and I listen to motivational speeches and there's this guy that talks about, you know, you're either about to go into the storm, in the storm, or coming out of the storm, right? And I think as a couple, you have to have the understanding to don't wait till you're out of the storm because that could be, you know, ending the relationship when there is hope. And, and don't say that you have tried everything. That's the worst kind of mentality that you can't have is I've tried everything. So I'm, I'm done. And as a divorced person, I always say when I'm working with clients, until you've tried everything that you know of, don't get divorced because you will always look back with regret. Well, you can see it. So I, I mean, I spend a fair amount of time on social media. So on these platforms, you can see all of that happening on Facebook, on Instagram, the things that people are posting there. It's, you know, like they just come up with different, different things. Like they talk about being narcissistic or being left or being hopeful. Like they, they are just talking about all this stuff and it's all like the resentment and the guilt and the fear and everything. The hurt. The hurt. Yeah. The yeah. pain. Yeah. It's the pain and talking. so. You know, we talk also like you're just you're like one skill away, one thought away, one something away from getting one decision away, one decision yeah. away from being successful. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> there's just so much of that out there, and I think that if people just stuck to their guns and like gave it that one one last shot and gave themselves an opportunity to be vulnerable with their partner, I think it would it would be life changing. And what does aftercare look like? I mean, you know, if you're how does the follow-up care because obviously we're not saying go here and then you're going to be the best i mean i did the best (laughs) version but but you don't stop growing there's still issues that come along how how does that look because once you get a taste of something good you're going to want to want it but perhaps not the three days you just want something to go in there we had a couple fly in last summer i think and the spouse came back and spent two days with me doing emdr so to finish up doing some of her own personal work and then, and I try to do just like book a day, mm-hmm. especially if they're from out of town. So I'll just set aside a day or two to do that with them. Yeah. So aftercare for couples looks like trying to help them find somebody that can be in their area locally that can see them regularly. You know, some, t- some people are from out of state, so we help them find, you know, a therapist. And again, I'm biased, uh, I think finding an emotion-focused therapist for them wherever they live is really important. So in our area, we have a network of emotion-focused therapists that I kind of point them to and say, here's a list of people that you could reach out to or I can help you connect with to get aftercare. Yeah, which it kind of goes back to the same thing is that you're the ER, perhaps you're the hospital that people go to have major surgery. But after that, you know, here is your outpatient provider, like continue with that. Uh, something big comes up down to the road, then 
come on back. Um, so I like that um, because I, I feel like sometimes people have this idea that I'm going to pay for this. I'm going to do this. Cured. And then bam, <laughs> yeah. bam, that's it. I've arrived at the pinnacle of yeah, my here we go, right? relationship. Yeah. So no, that's, that's good to hear because those are a lot of questions that people have. You know, I do a lot of uh, groups um, and I always try to teach more about uh, what's in the community. Um, and I think it's been very successful being able to learn more about what you guys offer because I also don't know half of the stuff that you, I, I think one of the biggest questions that Sarah set, right. Or I don't know what yeah. I'm saying that, right. People had a lot of questions about that. And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, so Sarah set is, um, a device that allows your brain to hear itself. So it operates, our brains operate on a Hertz frequency, which is inaudible to the human ear. And so we have a device that uses EEG sensors, um, which are like what they put on your chest to monitor your heart. So they're just little microphones. And we have 16 different areas of the brain where we attach these sensors and we have different placements. And it takes the frequency data and sends it to a computer that then translates it into an engineered tone that correlates to that frequency. And that's played back to the client in real time. So exactly what your brain is doing in that second, you're hearing. Wow. And it sounds kind of like a four-year-old on a piano. So, yeah. um, but because of what I call cellular truth, I think every cell in our body knows how it's supposed to operate, even if it's not. Um, because at conception, two cells become four, they become eight, they become 16, and one turns into a lung and the other turns into an eyeball. It's like, how does it know that? So I think it's just the cellular truth. Mm -hmm. And so when the brain hears areas that are out of balance or not functioning the way they're supposed to, the brain automatically starts repairing itself. So it starts building new neural pathways to bring it back into balance. No different than if we cut or we break a bone, it knits itself back together. Right. The bone is what heals itself. And so I believe that our brains were created exactly the same way. Right. Like we don't have to think about, huh, I wonder how my hand is yeah. going <laughs> to heal. Yeah. heal itself. It and, just does know. it. And it does yeah. it. And what I love about Sarasat is it's you come and sit in a chair with your eyes closed. There's no talking. There's no looking at old traumas. It's just you come and sit and listen to your brain. So, And most of the clients fall asleep. Yeah. And, you know, what we do at our clinic, we believe in. Everybody in my family does Saraset. Most everybody's done EMDR intensive from my nephews to my kids. Like we all practice what we believe in there at the clinic. One of the things I did want to talk about just briefly is the idea that you can do this and a lot of it you don't have to talk about because there's oh, yeah. a lot of people who have experienced very traumatic events. And the idea is that they believe they're going to go in there and, and, and tell you what they've been through. And, and that's completely wrong. Wrong because <laughs> you can prompt me to think of an event and then I think about it. Yeah. And then your brain it. heals it with EMDR or yeah. the set. It's like, you know, with EMDR, it's like I've worked with people that have had tremendous sexual traumas and I have no idea what happened and which I love it because there's such a thing as secondhand trauma, right? <laughs> you know? And so I don't need to know the details of what happened. They can pull that memory up and then they can just hold it until the brain processes through it. Love that. And that's why I tell people, I was like, I don't want to hear your trauma. I know a, you yes. traumatize yourself and B, like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to hear it. 
Well, it, it reminds me of your cool neighbor. Do you remember your cool neighbor that came to our show? Oh. And he said about going to the state hospital and how <clears throat> he would sit with someone who's attempted suicide more than three, four, 18 times. And he would ask him, so on suicide attempt number one, can you describe that for me? And he felt awful. It was not a good feeling. And yeah. he was really uncomfortable doing that. I'm like, why are we doing this to people? I feel like that's not, that's a hindrance to their improving their mental health. He also felt the same way. So this kind of just skips that that part of having to be super descriptive. I think exposure therapy is cruel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. I, I, and I, I know a lot that. of our so a people, lot of our vets, that's what happens for them. Yeah. They tell the story over and over or they have to record the story and then listen to it over and over. And I'm like oh, that's just reinforcing that same neural pathway that was developed yeah. when it happened. And and I would say, you know, it, it is successful if you love what you do as a person, if you truly understand how to do that treatment. But but I don't think that most of us go to like when I went to school and they, and they teach me things, I don't think they teach us in a way that for us to actually love what we do. And therefore, what you're getting, even though you might not believe in it, you're, you're going to do it. And, 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 and then the message gets completely gone from what it's supposed to do. So I think. You know, there might be one out of a million therapists who does an amazing job on that, but the rest is is is, is completely a mess. Yeah, you got to find somebody that is qualified and that you relate with, so they walk you through the process. That's really exciting. It's it's good news to to be able to tell people that they're not going to have to come in and just like spill it again, yeah. like tell their whole yeah. tra- traumatic story over and yeah. over and over. And we do go back and look through their life in the life scan. But it's with the idea that we're headed towards the picture of what we want our life to look like. What's that question you always say that Laura repeats? What if our lives, what if we got everything? What would, what would your life look like if you got everything? If you, yeah. Yeah. If, you wouldn't, if there was guaranteed, you wouldn't fail. Yeah. Like, what would your life look like? You need to do, you need to do one of those and put it behind your car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then people would be like, wow. You probably get rear-ended a lot, maybe. I don't know. Right? You know check this out. See, yeah. that's what you wanted. But uh, Amy, ask a question. I mean. Oh, the question I ask everyone at the end. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so now that we're going to wrap things up, yeah. um, is there anything else that we missed that you wanted to say today that we haven't covered yet? Anything people should know going out today? Call us. Yeah. Uh, How do we yeah. find you? So Northwest Wellness Center um, has a webpage. Northwest, uh, it's nwcidaho.com. How about you, Barry Magara? <laughs> Is there anything <laughs> you'd like to add? Anything that would help prompt couple, couples? Yeah. Like use your use um, your story of going to be supportive. Yeah, I would just therapy. say, you know, uh, as a guy who didn't want to go to therapy, uh, I'm with you. So if you're listening to all this and you're like, yeah, this isn't for me, I totally get it. And if you don't want to do the four to three fight EMDR, you can also be reached out at Blue Sky Counseling. Yeah. So I'm just, uh, I mean, we're so busy with this. So yeah. uh, I would just say, you know, go wherever you're open to going. If that's going for an hour, go for an hour. If you're op- up for having a life transformation in five days, then come, you know, reach out to us. Um, I, I just, I, I just think that there is a new reality that exists and that is you can feel better faster. 
And yeah, I don't that's... I don't think that that has existed in the world of therapy before. There's nowhere else in the world that's doing what we're doing here. Either with the EMDR or the couples intensive. I am very well connected in the CSAC community, which is a certified sex addiction therapist. So we have listserv and there's a lot of communication that happens. And I have, we have therapists from all over the United States that are sending couples and individuals to us for what we're doing here. And then we send them back to them and they send more. Well, the world needs more of you. <laughs> it's an That's honor great. to walk and hear people's story. I mean, this my favorite part of my job is to hear people's story. Yeah, I know. I wish I, I, I wanted to be more in with that couple that you guys initially um, <laughs> uh, talked to. But yeah. thanks for coming to our show. Yeah, absolutely. It's really good to have us. you back, Stephen. Very Thank nice you. to meet you. For anybody that has tuned in that wants to reach out for some couples therapy or actually some even individual like intensive EMDR, please reach out to them. You can also find us on noteveryonegetsatrophy.com. We also have an Insta and and uh we're looking for people always in the community uh that are making a difference uh don't be shy out there if you are uh somebody who is passionate about what you do whether it is you know even detailing cars or you know cleaning houses like it, it, honestly we need those people in our community um so reach out to us we are very reachable uh, we have a web page instagram uh twitter um so we are moving forward right episode number this should be 24 or i believe <laughs> or something i don't yeah. know i might have budgeted it but <laughs> so steven barry thank you so much for being here yes. Yes. thank you thank happy you for Monday, having guys. us <laughs> all right adios